Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church, Toronto West. It is our prayer that through these audio sermons, you are challenged and transformed by the Word of God, built up in love and faith, and drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now as you prepare your heart to receive God's Word, we pray that His Spirit would use the sermon powerfully in your life. All right, well, we're coming to the end now of our study in the book of Habakkuk. And today's passage of Scripture is very, very deep. As I was looking at it, I was thinking to myself how the Christian life is, in fact, a life that is characterized by a growing, growing. The Christian life is a life that is characterized by a maturing. The Christian life, if you look throughout the Bible, is a life that is progressively changing, and the Bible portrays Christianity as a transformational faith. And nowhere in Scripture can we find the Christian life portrayed as stagnant or without effect. No, it is constantly maturing and progressing. In fact, there are countless biblical images in Scripture that demonstrate this. I want to show you a few things before we go to our text. On the screen, the Christian life is compared to, say, a progressive walk. Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Keep moving forward. Keep maturing. Keep progressing. The Christian life is compared to the pursuit of a finish line in a race. On the screen, Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Keep progressing, keep moving ahead with intensity. The Christian life is a life compared to the construction of a building. On the screen, 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, building, growing, developing. And while there may be slower seasons or weaker seasons or less fruitful seasons in the Christian life, nonetheless, the Bible is clear that the Christian life is a life that is on an overall trajectory of growth and progressive transformation and change. Now, if you're a Christian in this room today, your life is marked by progressive change and transformation. Now this morning, we get up close and personal with the deep and progressive transformation of the prophet we've been studying named Habakkuk. In fact, what we'll see today at the end of Habakkuk chapter 3 is a very different Habakkuk from the one we saw beginning in chapter 1. Why? Well, it's because, as we'll see, Habakkuk's praying all throughout this book is not only moving God's sovereign hand to action. Habakkuk's praying all throughout this book is not only impact his, impacting his immediate and future situation, but Habakkuk's praying all throughout this book is in fact doing something far more deeper than any of these things. Listen, Habakkuk's praying from chapter 1 to chapter 3 is changing him. Prayer changes us. And this is very, very deep truth, loved ones, because God is not interested in keeping you and I on the surface. 
No, God is most interested in not only blessing or changing our circumstances, but God is most interested in changing you. That's his agenda. That's his purpose. One of the best pieces of counsel I received in my life as a 20-year-old, sitting across the table from a seasoned Christian leader, considering going into full-time Christian ministry in my life is this godly man looked at me and he said, Jason, God is more interested in changing you than he is in you changing the world. Just think about that for a moment. God is more interested in changing you than he is in you changing the world. And in Habakkuk, we've seen so far God's perplexing providence throughout the unfolding of history. We've seen God's absolute sovereignty over all the nations and the activities of the world. We've seen God's unchanging commitment to righteousness and justice. We've seen uh, what it looks like to wrestle with God through prayers of lament. Today, we see God's marvelous work unfolding in the heart of the man, the prophet Habakkuk, as God has so willed. The title of this morning's message is this, When Prayer Changes Me. When Prayer Changes Me. I want you to take your Bible and go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can put up your hand, and one of the ushers would love to put a copy of God's Word into your hands. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible will be our gift to you. We'd love you to take it home and read it and have your life changed by the Word of God. But I'd like everyone to have their eyes on a copy of God's Word. Habakkuk chapter 3. If you're having trouble finding Habakkuk, just go to the end of the Old Testament, move backwards from Malachi to Zechariah to Haggai to Zephaniah, and then you will find the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, the last few verses in the book, verses 17 to 19. Let's look at it together. Habakkuk continues to pray, and in fact, this portion continues to be a psalm, a song, and this is what he says. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. All right, as I've said, we come to the end of the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk's vision, Habakkuk's prophecy, and what we find is that God has changed the prophet Habakkuk in prayer. I want you to make a note of this if you're taking notes here. Here's point number one prayer changes me. You can jot this down. Prayer uh, prepares us for hard times. Prayer prepares us for hard times. I want you to notice verse 17 again. The prophet Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Let's stop right there. 
Here in the first part of verse 17, we have a series of six clauses that are increasing in severity. And I want you to understand this. That Habakkuk, anticipating the destruction coming to Judah at the hands of the Babylonians, all under the sovereign care of God, Habakkuk is considering all the possibilities of the coming devastation to Judah. I want you to notice it. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom. Here's consideration number one. Devastation coming to Judah. They're about to face some really hard times. They're about to face some intense suffering as the people of God. Though the fig tree should not blossom, he first considers the possibility of the loss of figs throughout the land. Now, you should know that figs were a delicacy in Israel, so their loss would have been the loss of a luxury. And so Habakkuk says, even if the fig tree doesn't blossom, and then he goes on, nor the fruit beyond the vines. He goes on to consider the possibility of losing grapes from the vines. Now, similar to figs, grapes were good for a daily drink, but like figs, their loss would have been more of an inconvenience to the people. And so Habakkuk says, even if we lose figs, and even if we lose grapes, and he goes on, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the field and there be no herd in the stalls. So I want you to notice the progression. I want you to notice the progression of severity of loss that Habakkuk is anticipating. Even if we lose figs, he says, even if we lose grapes, even if we lose olives that we need for cooking food, and even if we lose the grain that we need for basic dietary needs and meals, and even if we lose the meat and the wool that come from the sheep and the goats, Habakkuk is saying, even if we lose everything. And what we have here in the face of impending devastation is a Habakkuk that has moved from praying, why and how long, in chapter 1, to a Habakkuk that is now praying even if, essentially, he's moved from lament and questioning to trust and acceptance. Habakkuk is changing. Why and how? Well, the answer is because this is what prayer does. This is what authentic, scripture-fed, spirit-led prayer does. It changes us. It changes us by moving us progressively beyond the legitimate whys and how longs of life to the deep and profound even ifs of life. Even if, what is your even if? Even if I lose, fill in the blank, I will trust you. Even if fill in the blank is stripped away from me, I will trust you. You see, he's moving away from the why, Lord, and the how long is this going to go on, Lord, to the even if you allow everything to be stripped away from me, I will trust you. It's profound growth. It's profound change in just three chapters. That's what prayer does. 
If you talk to any mature and seasoned Christian who has some years behind them, if you talk to a seasoned Christian that has some experiences under their belt, if you talk to a Christian who has grown in maturity, a Christian who has some battle scars, a Christian who has some deep wounds, a Christian who walks with a limp as a result of the pain that they've faced in their life, what you will find is a Christian who has passed through some very hard times. And what you'll find if you grab that Christian's prayer journal is you'll probably find a lot of pages in that journal that sound like this. Why, God? How long are you going to allow this to go on, God? And if you continue reading through that Christian's prayer journal long enough, you will always find the why and the how long turning into the even if. You may even find some tear stains on the pages of that journal. With each passing hardship of life, As we learn to go to God in prayer, God is changing us, and God is preparing us, and God is deepening our faith for the next trial that will come, because that's what we see God doing in the book of Habakkuk. Through Habakkuk's prayer, through Habakkuk's songs, he is actually changing the prophet. And that's what he wants to do for us. Consider that God hasn't changed in the book of Habakkuk. Consider that when Habakkuk writes this in chapter 3 of verse 17, Habakkuk's circumstances haven't changed. But it's through prayer that Habakkuk himself is changing. And maybe you find yourself trapped in the legitimate why, Lord, and what if, uh, sorry, why and how long, but not able to progress to the what if. I need you to know that God is listening. And God is changing you as you lament. Keep his character in front of you, and faith will rise. Now, maybe you're here today and you are in a season of why and how long kind of prayers. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Keep lamenting. God is listening. And God is changing you. And maybe you're here today and you're in the even if kind of prayer phase of your life. Even if the chemotherapy doesn't work. Even if my teenage son doesn't come home even if the promotion never comes, even if my marriage continues to struggle, I've seen who you are, I've seen what you can do. So even if the worst case scenario happens, I will trust you. Keep trusting. Prayer prepares us, loved ones, for hard times. Secondly, this. Prayer changes us, not only preparing us for hard times, but secondly, this. Prayer produces in us the perspective of joy. Notice verse 17 again. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, even if the worst things happen. Notice verse 18 now. Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take joy in the God of salvation. I just want you to understand how deep and profound this is. I want you to understand the profundity of of Habakkuk's faith here. After considering all the possibilities of loss that may come upon Judah in verse 18, Habakkuk now makes a strong contrasting statement led by the words, Yet I... Even if everything in this life is stripped away from me, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Something absolutely powerful has happened to Habakkuk throughout this book. The act of prayer has cemented several convictions in his heart that give him an unusual resolve to rejoice only in the Lord, even in the midst of devastation. Here's one conviction. Habakkuk is convinced that joy cannot be found in figs and grapes and olives and flocks. Now, I don't want you to move away from this too quickly. Because if you've been in church long enough, you've heard this before. But the question is, have you allowed this truth to take root in your heart? Do you have this conviction that Habakkuk has? Joy cannot be found in whatever it is you put your trust in in this world. Now, again, I'm telling you to stop right here and consider this because we're too quick to walk away from a truth like this and say, yeah, I understand. I'm supposed to kill my idols. I know joy is only found in God. I understand he's the only one that satisfies. And then you go and you leave church and you continue to worship idols. And so I'm asking you to slow down here and consider this. Habakkuk is convinced that joy cannot be found in the things and the securities of this world. This is the test. This is the deep, deep test of our faith. This is our challenge today. If you say you have faith, this is the test. Is your God big enough? Is your God glorious enough? Is your God satisfying enough? Is your God strong enough to be enough? I know some of you are sitting and saying, I've heard this before. I understand these things. But is your God enough for you? You say, how do I know? Well, here's the test. If your house is taken away, if your income is taken away, if your family is taken away, if everything you love and depend on in this life is stripped away, what do you say? Yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. I will have joy in the God of salvation. I resolve that my joy is found only in him. I am convinced of this. This truth is cemented in my heart. Take everything away from me. I rejoice in God. That's the test. The test of your faith. When things get hard, loved ones, we need to stop pontificating about how we think the world should be. And we should start humbling ourselves in prayer that changes us and fills us with the perspective of real joy. But there's another conviction here in the heart of Habakkuk that causes him to say that no matter what is taken away from me, 
I will rejoice. He's convinced that all of life and all true joy, listen, depends on the God of the universe. It depends on him. On the screen, commentator Waylon Bailey wrote this. He wrote, in a world which sees almost everything in economic terms, believers need to consider the profundity of Habakkuk's faith. Though the worst things in life happen, believers need a faith, listen, which depends on the God of the universe and worships him as the true Lord of life. This is the test. I would suggest to you that so many of us sit on the shallow surface of faith. Perhaps we have yet to be plunged into the depth of a deep faith, a deep trust that says, take everything away from me. I'm not going to freak out at food shortages. I'm not going to freak out at the economic conditions. I'm not going to freak out at the skyrocketing housing market or the plunging housing market. I'm not going to freak out because take all these things away from me. I have seen and I have known and I have tried my God. I can rejoice. Loved ones, hard times come into our lives to drive us to prayer and to deepen our faith and to develop our joy by reminding us again of the source of true joy. Just consider the call to joyful endurance in the midst of hard times on the screen for you. James 1, 2-4, you know, you know this. James says, count it all, what? Joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, why? For you know that the testing of your faith, remember in Habakkuk, the righteous live by faith. Habakkuk's faith is being tested. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of very various kinds. Why? Why rejoice? Because you know something is happening. The testing of your faith is producing steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Joy. Why? Because God is making our faith strong. Joy, because if you're in the midst of a real hard time, if you've been stripped of things that you really value, God is aiming at your joy through testing of faith. He's targeting your joy. He wants you to have joy by testing your faith. You know that he's testing your faith when hard times come. And you know then that he's refining your character. And you know then that a tested Genuine faith and a refined character leads to deep trust, which begets joy, a resolve to rejoice. Romans 5 on the screen, 3 to 4, Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Do you understand how deep this is? We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing, again, you see in James, it's for you know. Here, it's knowing that suffering produces endurance. 
And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Joy because God is refining our character. And as I said, a strong faith and a refined character equals a Christian who enjoys the God of their salvation more than the things that the God of their salvation can give to them. And this is the change God seeks to bring about in us. Because we sit on the surface. You know what's on the surface? Do you know what surface Christianity is? Do you know what surface faith is? It's, it's, it's Lord, I, I want what's in your hand. Give me what's in your hand. I, I trust you for what's in your hand. Give me, give me more of what's in your hand. That's on the surface, loved ones. Do you know what's deep? It's a faith that says, Lord, even if there's nothing in your hand, I want you. I love you. Joy fills my heart at the prospect of having you. I come to the prayer meeting because I want more of you. I read the Bible every morning because I want to put my arms around you and I want to feel your embrace around my life. When I'm devastated, when I've lost so much, when I'm tired and burnt out, when I'm crushed, when the tears are flowing, when I can't cry anymore, Lord, I want the joy that comes from wanting you and knowing that in you, joy is available no matter what's happening around us. That's a deep resolve that Habakkuk is showing here. Have you ever been there? Have you ever possessed that deep resolve? Well, God has given that to Habakkuk through prayer. Habakkuk is changing. That's what God wants to give to us. You know, sometimes we think God is up in heaven and he's stingy and he's just kind of holding back. And it's not God. God is love. God loves us so much, and he wants to, through hard times, pull us into the depth of true joy. He's, and sometimes he's grabbing, and we're, our feet are being dragged. We're kicking and screaming. He's saying, don't you understand what I want to give to you? Forsaking all else. Joy comes from him. And this is God's aim for us. Joy that is rooted in firm and tested faith. Joy that is cultivated in the perspective-shaping prayer of a heart that is suffering. You going through a hard thing today? Can you think of a hard time you've just come out of? How much of your heart was devoted to prayer? prayer that changed you. You've either just come out of a trial or you're in a trial or you're about to go into a trial. These are the lessons God wants to teach us. Oh, how we need to go deep, church, deep. Swim in the ocean of joy that's often offered to us in the clearest sense during hard times. Prayer changes me prepares us for hard times. It produces in us the perspective of joy. Finally, this. 
prayer positions us in sustaining power. Prayer positions us in sustaining power. Can I just confess to you, I am the preacher here today. I've studied his word. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying my best to live this out, but I just find a spiritual battle raging in my heart that I want to believe that in the midst of the devastation of life that he positions me in power, supernatural power that sustains me, and yet my heart is prone to wander and prone to fear and prone to doubt and prone to question, and I just want to be positioned, just to recognize the position that he places me in, if I could just see him for who he is, the position of sustaining power. Look at verse 19. Notice God It's all capitalized in my Bible. That's important. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. This is a song, loved ones. So Habakkuk's final words contain the strongest name for God that was available. God the Lord. You see it there in verse 19. God the Lord is translated Yahweh Adonai, Sovereign Lord. He's grabbing for the strongest possible name, the strongest, the strong personal name of God, Yahweh Adonai, Sovereign Lord. This is the only place outside the Psalms that this name is used. The name emphasizes the power and majesty of God. Now, I want you to notice that Habakkuk doesn't pray, God gives me strength. No, he prays, God is my strength. This is deep, loved ones. God is to me the sustaining power that I need when my strength is failing, the image of the deer's feet treading on high places. It expresses the prophet's confidence that God would protect him, that God would empower him, that God would ultimately bring him and his people into the heights of victory, no matter how many and how severe the setbacks. Now Habakkuk's about to experience the setbacks. You remember, he's already received the vision. The idolatrous people of Judah, they're going to be disciplined at the hands of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. This wicked, horrific nation that God is raising up, much more wicked than Judah. He's raising up this generation to discipline his people. Habakkuk knows hard days are ahead. And he says, in the midst of these setbacks for us, God will raise us to the heights of victory. He is our strength. He will help us endure. He will keep us in the midst of the setbacks. You see a much different Habakkuk here in the last few verses than we read about in the first few verses of chapter 1. You see how prayer is changing the prophet. He's moved from the legitimate how long and why To the even if, no matter what is taken away from me, 
yet I will rejoice. God is my strength. That is sustaining power that's available to every Christian. Sustaining power that holds you firmly and securely in the midst of the storm, in the in the midst of the hurricane, and you look around and everything's being destroyed around you. God is my strength. I need that. I need that strength. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, I, I want that strength. And I'm wanting you to be grabbing for it today through prayer. And I'm wanting you to have this resolve and this conviction in your heart that God is this to his people. And that through prayer, God is strengthening our faith. Habakkuk, loved ones, has changed. No more doubt. No more panic at the problem of evil in the world. Now he's patient and he's confident that all the strength and sustaining power he needs will be found in God alone. I read this at the end of a commentary. I want to share it with you. One commentator wrote, when times of doubt and discouragement come, as they inevitably do, the believer needs to come to God. Listen, the believer needs to come to God. I'm just communicating the words of a scholar to you that are so simple and yet so profound. When you're doubting and when you're discouraged, you don't need the couch and Netflix. You need the prayer meeting when you're discouraged and when you're doubting, you need to come to God. He says, like Habakkuk, he needs to come to God's word and get a fresh glimpse of who and what God is. And so come to a place of renewed trust in the one who alone is truly God and therefore sufficient for all of life. And then in the final sentence of this commentary, this scholar says, may Habakkuk's test of faith and triumphant joy in his saving Lord be an inspiration and example to all who must, who must travel life's road. We are on life's road. You can't get off of it. And if you are a Christian, you are on the narrow road. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this road is a narrow one. It's a hard one. It's a perplexing one. It's a painful one. It's a costly one. And what we learn from Habakkuk is this. You can walk this narrow road in the sustaining power of God who is our strength. And you can know the abundant joy that comes in the midst of the most devastating loss. You can. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about devastation coming upon you and you say, oh, this is awesome. Of course it's not awesome. What I'm talking about is something deeper than that. Yet I will rejoice. 
Times of doubt and discouragement come. The believer needs to come to God. And I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know what you faced in the last season of your life. I don't know what you're about to face. Maybe you see some rumblings of things happening in the workplace or in your family. You're getting a bit nervous. You're becoming a bit fearful. Here's my simple yet profound exhortation to you. Come to God. Come to God. We're going to have an opportunity to do that right now. I'm going to ask Chris and the team to come here and lead us in a song. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are right now. I'm going to pray. But I'm going to ask you to consider very soberly how you have been handling the difficulties in your life. I'm going to ask you to examine your face. If you are lamenting, God hears you. God loves you. If things are being stripped away from you, slowly, God sees you. And he's not unaware of it, and he is working to bring you to himself. The exhortation now is, will you come to God? Now, we're going to be a few more moments, and I'm not in a rush here. We're going to sing this song, and in a few moments, I'm going to ask some leaders to come on up here. They'll be available for you to pray for you. Now, you're standing here today, and I know how it goes. You're saying, I'll just pray by myself. I know how it goes. You're saying, I don't need to share everything I, I, that I'm going through. I'll just, I'll just stay here by myself. I know how it goes. You're sitting there, you're saying, well, I don't want to make a spectacle in front of people and people will think that I'm just, you know, out of order in my life. Just, I want you to forget about all of that right now. In fact, leaders come to the front right now. And as we sing this song, I want you to ask God for strength to come to him. For more resources and information about Hope Church Toronto West, please visit hopechurchtw.ca.